Welcome to episode 12 of the Family Geekery Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Amber. And I'm Danny. And this week we've got a discussion about anime. But before we get into the main topic, let's talk about our weeks. Amber, let's start off with you. How was your week so far? Good. Uh, the Quarry was released this Friday, and I, I got to play a little bit of that. Um, once I got it all set up on my computer, had some graphics card issues and such, um, after a quick upgrade from the computer store that is downstairs, um, <laughs> I got to play the game. Um, so far, I've played about three and a half hours, and I don't know, that might be halfway done. Um, and if uh, th- to, for those of you that don't know, it's made by the same people that made Until Dawn, which is my all-time favorite video game. And right now, it's really hard not to compare the two because everything that's happening in the quarry is just making me think of better things that were in Until Dawn. But I know it's com- two different stories, two different sets of characters. Um, and I'm trying to keep a open mind. Um, but yeah, it's enjoyable so far. Um, so far it's less scary than Until Dawn was, um, Until Dawn got right into the, the scariness and the horror, um, but this one has a lot more buildup, which is really neat. I feel like I'm seeing more of the characters, um, rather than just trying to save them, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I will update you guys next week on my final opinion after I finish the game. I didn't even realize until I read up on it that Until Dawn was a like console-only game. Like It never made it to the PC, or at least it, it may soon, but it, it hasn't made it in the past, and people are upset about that. <laughs> so it's, it's weird that this one is uh, you know, launching on PC also. Maybe, maybe they, they either learn from their mistakes or they want to get off on the right foot this time. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, a PlayStation or something would probably run it better. Um, it seems like you need um, quite the decked out computer to run it on any sort of good graphics. Um, but it's pretty good. You didn't realize how helpful it would be to live with a, a basement that is a computer store, did you? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Almost endless supply of hardware. Definitely. <laughs> Very cool. Danny, I know you've had a busy week, but you have anything to report for the week? Not really. Just been busy. Busy, and you're going to be even busier next week. Uh, yep. May even have an episode or two without you. We'll have to see yep. how, how busy you get. But that's good. That's what summer's all about. Summer's about going out and having fun and getting away from your stupid parents. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last week we gave ourselves homework assignment of watching some anime. So the girls both gave me a, uh, a title to watch a couple episodes of, and I gave them a title of uh, anime to, to watch a couple episodes on. So we're going to discuss that. But before that, I wanted to just do a brief overview of what anime is, in case there's any listeners that have been trapped in a dungeon for the last... 20 years and don't know what anime is, but just a brief overview and kind of a discussion of of uh, the characteristics of, of anime. So anime itself, the, the word meaning, 
for us here in America, it's basically the, the word that means Japanese animation or some kind of Japanese animated show that, that came from Japan. Um, anime in Japan is just basically a shortened version of our American word of animation. So it just means anything that's animated there. No, Same in French. The French word for animation is anime also. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, here in, in America, if we went to go get Chinese food, we'd say, hey, you guys want to go get some Chinese food? But in China, they'd just be like, hey, you want to go get food? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's the same thing. Uh, um, that, but there is a distinct style to, to anime and uh, many differences versus the, the more Western um, style of animation. So let's talk about a little bit of that. Um, there is actually, before we get into that, a style of, uh, of anime that if it's created outside of Japan, they actually have a term for it. Girls, did you know that it's called anime-influenced animation? No, I didn't know that. So a show like Avatar Last Airbender, which isn't actually made in Japan, but it has kind of the, the look or style of, of anime. Um, some people would call that anime, and some people would say, no, it's not, because it's not made in Japan. So it's anime-influenced animation, which I'm shocked to find out they don't have a shortened name for. <laughs> Maybe AIA. But that would just get, get a little confusing after a while. But animation itself in Japan dates back to 1917. You know, we know, we know our roots here in, in North America about animation, but over there it's about a similar time frame, 1917. Um, but the characteristic art style of actual anime that we think of started in like the 60s. Um, by the 70s and 80s, we they got into a giant robot genre. And we've all seen giant robots, you know, <laughs> mechas, they may call yeah. them. So series such as Gundam and Super Dimensional Fortress Macross were very popular. And those uh, brought about the, uh, the robot genre in the 70s and 80s. And they actually get so many different robot-style animes over there that they started having subcategories like robots that had like mystical powers would be one genre, and then what they called real robots, which would just be machines, you know, man-made machines, um, would be a different style of of uh, anime. What about the girls that turn into planes? Have you heard of that one? No, but that sounds <laughs> cool. I think I, I saw that it's, one. It's a meme, kind of, but yeah. There, yeah, there's... A lot of stuff. And the 70s had a lot of weird stuff. Um, and then coming into the 90s, there was a lot of experimental type titles like Ghost in the Shell and Cowboy Bebop. Um, so they started broadening the different genres from just robots and, and stuff like that to, uh, to a lot of different stuff. Anime started getting a little traction in Western audiences uh, about in the same time frame in the 90s with titles such as Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. You guys familiar with those, I'm sure? I love yep. Sailor Moon. <laughs> yep, Sailor Moon is a, a good one. I haven't watched much Dragon Ball Z, but obviously I'm very familiar with it. That's that's one of those that kind of hit right in that, that gap of, hey, I'm not a kid anymore, and but I'm not a parent anymore, or I'm not a parent yet. <laughs> not a parent anymore. <laughs> when I was 20, I'm not a parent anymore. Yeah, But, but right in that time frame... You know, I wasn't watching that kind of stuff, but but obviously familiar with it. And then ever since the 90s, it's just become more and more popular. So let's talk about the, the art style. 
So the art style of, of anime is fundamentally characterized by the use of limited animation and suspension of time. So can, can you uh, agree with that? How you, you'll have like frames that will just like freeze and the character may not moving much, but the, uh, you know, there's a lot of drama going on without them moving very much. Yeah, the yeah. frame will kind of like flicker a little bit. Right, like or shake. they'll use something going on in the background that will create the emotion. So that's that's one of the fundamental differences between uh, anime and, and Western style. When you think of Western style, you think of like Disney, right? Disney was yeah. obviously some of the pioneers of, of animation here in America. And Disney puts all their inf- em- emphasis on movement. So even way back into the, the time frame of like the thirties when they were doing snow white, they were what rotoscoping, you know, human characters and getting that, getting their animators to make just perfect movement so that you would feel the emotion like us as the viewer would feel the emotion of the scenes based on the movement. That was, it, it just seemed natural to us. Whereas in, in Japanese animation, they get their emotion from the backgrounds, from the music, from you know special effects going on around. But the uh, the frames are very limited, and a lot of that is is based on just resources itself. Whether it has to be to meet deadlines, because a lot of these shows were uh, weekly shows, so they're putting on a show every week. You know, Disney isn't making a a, a movie every week, right? <laughs> <laughs> it almost seems like it now with Disney Plus, they're they're coming out with <laughs> stuff all the time. But but back then. It was just a matter of you know using less cells, using less frames, to uh, to get these you know animators to create a, a twenty four minute show or whatever it is that they were targeting for for their uh, animated shows. Is it also maybe because a lot of the animated shows were based off of manga, and all of that was just still images? So maybe that's like what they were more comfortable with. Maybe uh, th- that may be that may be the case. Um, I know it had a lot to do with, with just resources, basically, you know, time, time and money. Um, Disney here in the West just happened to have more of each of those. The, the work conditions in there in Japan have often been, uh, scrutinized on how they treat their animators, you know, kind of like sweatshop to get these things out. But hopefully, uh, now that, now that it's so popular, the studios are getting better and better at that. But I know back in the seventies and eighties, it, it was a little rough, I guess. So let's see what else, uh, characters, the characters themselves, the style of the characters, they're characterized by large oval eyes, bright colors and remove reduced movement of their lips. So again, some of that is, is based on, um, reducing the actual movement and some is just, they just, I think some of the early, Japanese animators were influenced, believe it or not, by by some of the characters such as Betty Boop, and they just liked those large oval eyes, so they started using them in their style. But that's definitely, uh, don't you guys agree? Definitely one of the characteristics that yeah. you yeah. see. You see that, and you're like, "Yep, that's uh, <laughs> that's anime. That's uh, you know, something that's Japanese animation." Another another characteristic of anime versus Western animation is that anime the shows are more serialized uh, meaning the story is going to unfold over many episodes or many seasons as opposed to a lot of the cartoons you know if you think of just regular cartoons here in america they're all basically episodic so think of 
like even like SpongeBob or Teen Titans. What, what's the Teen Titans one called? Teen Titans Go. Teen Titans Go. You know, all those kind of resolve themselves in the series of the episode. Yeah. Whereas the anime is, is more serialized. Cool. So uh, let's talk about uh, the, the fans of anime. Have you heard the terms otaku? Yeah. Or otaku? So think, otaku yeah. is basically an obsessive fan of anime. <laughs> and it starts off, started off as a uh, derogatory term in Japan. And same thing with Weibo or Weibo. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you're here to pronounce these for me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what? What would you describe that as? To my knowledge, it's an American fan of, like, an American intense fan of anime. Right. Or it's more literally translated as a white individual who wants to be Japanese. <laughs> um, and that's even shortened to weeb. Weeb. Yeah. Yep, so weeb. So both of those fan, both of those uh, fan names were um, derogatory at first, but just like terms like nerd and geek, they they've just started embracing them and using them. Now I don't know if I would, if I was in Japan, I would start calling someone <laughs> any one of those. <laughs> um, but apparently they they use them as terms of endearment now. Um, yeah, I know people proud. who have them in like their um, screen names and stuff. Weeb and proud. <laughs> Chris underscore weeb. Who knows? All right. Let's talk about anime here in America. So here in America, the 1988 film Akira, which we talked about in our top 50 comic book we based did. Um, movies of all time, that's largely credited as popularizing anime in the Western world. Um, shortly after that, shows like Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z hit and became big hits here in the in the 90s. By 1997, anime was the fastest growing genre in American video industry. And then shortly after that, we got the whole internet thing, which comes about, which just made the distribution even easier. So easier to get a hold of, whether it was something being distributed from overseas or something that was being you know, shared illegally from overseas, which, which was a, a byproduct of the internet and connecting everybody together. Um, but since then, anime now has become the most watched foreign language shows in America. Uh, in fact, in nineteen or in 2021, Netflix said that more than half of their subscribers had watched anime. Wow, that's pretty big, pretty big percentage. And then here's one that that impressed me. Uh, just earlier this year, in 2022, a show Attack on Titan. You guys have heard of that one? Yeah. Yep. Have you ever watched it? Yes. First couple episodes. Same. Okay. I haven't watched that one yet, but I've obviously heard of it and seen posters and and uh, t-shirts and all kinds of stuff. So Attack on Titan became the first non-English language series to earn the title of most in-demand TV show. Wow. So it joined the ranks of the two other previous shows that have held that title are The Walking Dead. Oh, wow. And Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> We've... We've watched both of those. Yep. <laughs> so I guess it's time for us to watch Attack on Titan, since it is the most in-demand TV show. And finally, to, to, to sum this all up, we'll talk real quick about the market itself, which is a huge market. 
2019, it was estimated that Japan's anime industry was valued at $24 billion per year. That's billion with a B, with 48% of that revenue coming from overseas. So over and and now this year they're thinking they're going to hit pretty soon 30 billion a year with more than half of the revenue coming from overseas. So wow. So most of their or the majority at least of their customers are are not even in Japan, which makes sense, you know. We got we got a lot of people over here and a lot of people in in Europe that consume this this media. So it's a uh, it's big business. You happen to know out of all the uh, all this stuff here now, some of some of the companies within anime have become multi market dominators, meaning TV shows, video games, movies, all the above. Um, which one do you think of the Japanese uh, multimedia markets is the biggest? Come on, like I'll give you a hint. The company, yeah, the franchise, meaning like. Like show or like Studio Ghibli? Studio. Oh, like just the the show itself, which has become much more than just the show. Uh, I would say Pokemon. Pokemon is right. Pokemon. That's is, got everything. That's everywhere. <laughs> it's assumed to be the largest franchise ever, like out of all franchises, which is crazy. Because I think that might include like some Disney franchises too. Wow! <laughs> and like Avengers and that kind of stuff. So yeah, lots of uh, lots of money, lots of customers, lots of products. Um, it's it's a big thing now. Like everybody pretty much knows what anime is now, and it, it's come about you know rather quickly. Think about just a matter of a couple decades here in the West that have uh, it's become even heard of, let alone popular. Even from when I was like in middle school and seeing like how much has changed with like the fan base to now, it's crazy. It's it reminds me a lot of like my story arc of comic books. When I was growing up, comic books was just what the nerdy kids who didn't have girlfriends would read. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> now it's like everybody's going to see the Avengers movies or the guardians of the galaxy movies or yeah. even some of those DC movies, even I guess people go and see those, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that it reminds me a lot of that where, you know, maybe when I was growing up manga and, and anime would have been a very limited audience of, of boys. Um, now it's just become huge. Like everybody, everybody's seen half of Netflix viewers. <laughs> have watched at least something which is probably a bigger number than that because you got to figure all these millennials are sharing their netflix accounts right so <laughs> yeah <laughs> more than half of their viewers are watching anime so very cool did you guys learn something from that yeah i know yeah. both of you have studied animation in the past um so i thought that would be an interesting little perspective to to check out before we talk about our shows. So let's talk about the shows that you had us had me watch and I had you guys watch. And let's start with Danielle. You gave us uh, an assignment to, to watch. What show did you tell us to watch? I chose Promise Neverland, which was the first anime I watched uh, 
Uh, it was suggested by a friend. And um, personally, I'm not into the really the fighting action animes that are the most popular. I'm more into like um, maybe like horror or comedy and romance, those types. Those I'm more um, attracted to and will watch. But yeah, so that's why I chose Promise Neverland because it's the first one that I watched fully through and was um, entertained by. So there's actually subgenres of uh, anime. There's lots of subgenres of anime, but there's actual titles for ones for children and then ones for girls and ones for boys. So <laughs> the ones that you said you weren't interested in are exactly what they describe as the ones for for boys so like teenage boys in japan and there's a a huge cultural difference between us even though um a a lot of the interests in the the show seem the same but there's huge differences and the and the sense of in in the uh i think it's called shonen shonen yeah Yeah. um that would be the, the boy category of anime um it's very typical of having fighting like you said fighting uh swords and punching and stuff like that and and then girls with big boobs and and they're not apologetic about it and it seems like they they said that it's it's very comedy driven over there like if a if a man like an adult man was to trip and fall and his hand was to to land on some young girl's boobs that's comedy over there over here it's like rape <laughs> like straight up yeah straight up sexual harassment but over there it's considered comedy now we're talking about in animated right not like there's there's no 40 year old japanese men just just over there groping girls left and right but on the tv shows it's considered comedy so um, yeah it's funny in naruto um the main character naruto he has the ability sometimes to shapeshift into a busty woman and uh which will give the men around him nosebleeds and that is how he sometimes defeats them so (laughs) It's it's all fun funny over there, but yeah. All right, so back to promised Neverland. Yep. So uh, I did start watching that. We said we were going to watch two episodes each. I actually watched three episodes. And Amber, I think you even jumped in on that one. How many did you get through? I watched the first two. The first two. Okay. I'm surprised uh, I hadn't watched it before. It seems right up my alley. Yeah. And- the description of it says a very, very typical, and I forget what it is, but it, to summarize it a little bit, it says something about, you know, school children have to save their, or save their, or their orphans, right? Orphans yeah. have yeah. to save their fellow orphans um, and rescue them and ha- help escape the orphanage to save their lives or something like that. So, so, you know, these kids have to escape and us as Westerners are thinking, okay, it's so like little orphan Annie is going to go and, and help all of her friends escape from the orphanage. And that sounds like a, a good show, yeah. but it's a little different than that, isn't it? <laughs> you can tell by the first episode. Okay. We've got some 11 year olds here that are all speaking at like 30 year old uh, education, <laughs> but they all, all, they're all supposed to be like the smartest children and the orphanage they, they give them what tests all the time yeah. to find out how smart they are and you got of the three main characters you got one that is 
the the female what's her name emma emma so she's considered like the physically strong or physically superior one and then you've got one that's a uh, superior strategist (laughs) so 11 year old kid who's deemed by his peers as being a strategist his peers who are you know six years old (laughs) right and then the other one is kind of a uh, a loner outcast, but he's really smart, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's able to pick up on the strengths of others and uh, come up with plans. So, so you get these eleven year olds, and you you see at first, okay, it's just your normal orphanage, and they're growing up, and they're eating their their meals, and they're learning their lessons, and they're having fun. They're playing uh, tag outside. In fact, the the one bully of the of the group, he like fully like called out one of the main characters and said, I challenge you to a game of tag. I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's, that must be a thing. (laughs) We're going to have a duel of tag to the death. Is the squid games? Like (laughs) they they go out and they, they play tag out in the, uh, out in the, uh, the yard. And then from there, uh, everything seems normal. And then it takes a very strange twist. Doesn't it? Amber? Yeah. They get adopted. (laughs) i knew it was going to be a dark show um just from how people have talked about it um but it got real dark real fast yep so i actually watched three because after you know i think by the the end of episode two is when it started taking that turn and i was like okay well i gotta keep watching this to uh to see how that goes and see what happens so um i'm probably gonna finish this this season out um to see it all the way through and uh, it, so far, it's very enjoyable. But it is very typical of your animation styles that we talked about earlier. In fact, um, a lot of the emotion that they show is like close-ups of the face with like sweat. And you talked about Amber. You talked about the nosebleed. You know, that's yeah. That's one way to to have very limited animation, but it to describe something's happening to this person. Same thing with someone sweating, you know, close up to the yeah. beads of sweat going down the face. Another thing they do a lot is they make the pupils a lot smaller and shake a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's yeah. one really telltale way to know someone's scared in anime. Yep. So good show. You agree, Amber? I agree. I'm definitely going to finish this one. And I don't say that about most animes I start. So. Same. <laughs> but it's definitely one of my favorites. And I started watching this one in Japanese, which um, I correct me if I'm wrong, but both of you watched it in English. Yeah, yeah I did. Um, yeah, so I tend to watch my um, more serious animes in Japanese, but then I'll watch my more funny animes in English because I just like the jokes so much better when they're in English. Yeah, there's one one thing about the anime community is that. <laughs> You're either a subbed or a dubbed, subbed or dub watcher, which either you watch the Japanese or and then read the subtitles, or you listen to the English dub. And people in those groups are very, very polarized. Yes. And personally, I like dubbed because I usually watch TV while doing something else, and I don't really want to read, or I'm <laughs> at, or I'm like watching it in bed at night, and I'm too tired to read off my screen and people are very opinionated about that but i i get it people would like subbed because a lot of like the real motion is from those 
Japanese voice actors. Like, even yeah. though you, you don't understand the language, you, you get the raw emotion that the actual voice actors give. I'm definitely a dubbed guy myself because, again, I'm just too lazy to read the words. I think <laughs> the only thing that recently that I've watched that was subbed was the um, Squid Game. Oh. And that's worth everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think there's wrong with watching it subbed, watching it dubbed. Um, it just depends on the person and depends on the show, I think. Yep. Well, very cool. Thank you for that recommendation. And I will pass that recommendation on to all the listeners. If you're looking for a, a good show to watch so far, the, the first three episodes got me hooked. And it's only like two seasons, which is very easy to finish, you know. Yeah. Some, like some shows. Nine episodes. Yeah. Like some shows like Naruto, Dragon Ball, and Sailor Moon, you know, it's One piece. years of, of content, and it's so hard to, to do that. Right. I, I, I wanted to watch a Pokemon show just because I've never seen a Pokemon show, and I wanted to watch a Pokemon show. So I went on Netflix and I searched for Pokemon. And there were so many different ones that I, the only thing I could have done is pull up a Wikipedia page and find out when they were made and you know, <laughs> wanted to find the oldest one, you know, not Pretty something sure that Indigo was made, is the first one. made recently. So um, as opposed to pulling up a wiki page and, and doing research to find out what I wanted to watch, I just didn't watch anything. <laughs> okay, so Amber. You gave uh, you gave me an assignment to do to watch, and which show was that? Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Deadly Sins, which I've got to uh, I've got to tell you. Every time I hear that, I start singing a song in my head because there's a very famous song called Seven Deadly Sins" by Iron Maiden from their epic album Seventh Son of a Seventh Son." And uh, so every time you say that title or I see that title, that song starts going off <laughs> in my head. Because um, it leads off the album. That's the song that leads off the album. And then ah. the tune finishes the album out too. So I watched two episodes of that. And again, it's it's one that I think I'm going to finish out. Because it, it was very interesting. Um, very like anime. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's, it's a lot more um, stereotypical anime. You know, I guess the shonen style. Um, there's a lot of fighting scenes, but also like goofy groping, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's one of my favorites and I haven't finished it because they released a couple of seasons after I watched the whole thing. So I just haven't gotten around to it, but, um, it's, it's so good. I would recommend it to anyone. One, one of the elements that, that this show has that it is again, typical of, of a lot of anime is, the inclusion of some historical significance, right? There's some yeah. beings or people or godlike creatures, or there's there's something that exists before that is just very very important to everybody in this land, right? Um, and and they're going to keep on harkening back to to that, like, oh no these are the, the people that fought against the dragon or, you know, it, not, not in this particular show, but that, that may be an example of, you know, they defeated the bad guy or, um, 
they they fought and died bravely to save us all you know that kind of stuff and in this this particular one there is what what do they call the uh the holy knights the holy knights okay yeah so the so, holy knights which sounds like it should be good guys right right <laughs> the concept of the show for those who don't know is there's the seven deadly sins who you know were part of these um valiant warriors or whatever um but now they're kind of painted as the bad guys and um without giving too much of a spoiler the holy knights who do sound like they'd be the good guys are actually the bad guys um so it's kind of a a cool flip on that and you're going to follow it i'm guessing in the show you're going to follow uh the protagonist's view is going to be of the seven deadly sins yeah and you're going to be rooting for them right yeah i'm going to be rooting for the seven deadly sins here yes you will as you meet more and more of the characters um they're all so unique and have such unique powers um it's really interesting very cool so yeah that's that's a good one and since I am a 13-year-old boy at heart, it is the exact type of, uh, of animation that I would expect myself to enjoy, you know, fighting and all, all that stereotypical stuff. But and in this one, the English voice actors are just so good. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's I've watched scenes in both English and Japanese, but you just, I don't know, the English voice actors in this just do such a great job. Now, I... I'm curious about some of the humor because some of the humor, some of the punchlines are so American that there's just no way in my mind that it could have been written that way. And it's been translated perfectly from the original. (laughs) So there must be some Westernization even in this show because some of the punchlines, it's just like, there's that that's just a stupid white guy remark, right? That when you hear it, yeah. I mean, the, the show takes place in, like, Britannia, um, which is, like, ancient England, I guess. Um, so it does take place in a Western um, setting. So it, it's possible that they wrote those um, in Japanese, but it's probably more likely that they just, when translating, just translated it to be more funny or more relatable. Right. So, Danny, when you get some free time, you're going to have to watch that one, too, because... I like it. Yeah, it's been on my list for a bit, but my anime watch list is kind of long, so. You got a backlog. <laughs> yeah, that's what always happens. As anyone else who watches anime. Got a lot to catch up on. We still need to watch Akira to see where all this started yeah. from. I should have had you watch one of the, the girly animes that I like. Like Bubblegum Princess 4000 or something <laughs> like that. I didn't accidentally name a real anime, did I? I as Maybe. far as I know, I don't think so. Maybe <laughs> let's let's start our own anime. We'll <laughs> There's so many ra- magical girl animes. You start probably hit manga. one. Can you get me some manga going, Danny? Some Bubblegum Princess Four Thousand. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll write you one up tonight. Nice. All right, so great shows, and then I gave you guys a show to watch, not because of its literary or comedic superiority but just because of its uh, significance to anime here in the western world and that was uh, Robotech and so I'm going to give a a brief now that you guys watched the first two episodes of it and not a whole lot happened in those first two episodes but I'm going to give you a a brief uh, rundown of of how that Robotech got here into America just just to set the the scene so all these uh, shows came from Japan, right? 
And I, we mentioned in other episodes how American TV companies would import or license some of these shows to bring over in the 80s and, uh, and try to make some money off of it. And mostly in, in the Western world here, they're, they're trying to bring over something that they can sell toys for. You know, that's all <laughs> they care about. Cartoons was just a means of selling junk to kids. So there was a, a company called Revel, which is still around. I don't know if you guys have heard of Revel, um, but it's a model company. And I remember seeing you've seen videos in the old days of kids that would get their glue out and build models. Uh. Something that I have no I had no patience for. I, I had no <laughs> patience for making models because you'd have to put the damn thing together and then you'd have to paint it. And if I ever made one, it would not look like what the box showed it to look like. But Revel had had licensed a lot of these Mecca titles or Mecca um, toys to bring over to America, and they had they licensed the the term Robotech to be one of these uh, you know huge robots that that people here could make models of. So when the company Harmony Gold, which was the 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 media company here in America that wanted to license some of these shows and bring them over. Um, they wanted to make a show called Robotech and they wanted to have that same style of mecha type stuff. So they actually signed a co-licensing agreement with Revel to, to use the term Robotech. So now they've, they've got the name. They, they know they want to make robots, right? And they know they want to get it on TV and to get it on TV here in America to be a, a daily syndicated show, like a, a show that would be, the show that I would come home from school from every day and watch right at, at four o'clock or four thirty, whenever it was to, to get that on TV, they need a minimum of 65 episodes. So that's 13 weeks of five episodes per week. So every day has to have an episode, um, to do that. It didn't fit the same format as over in Japan where they have weekly shows. So they wouldn't have a 65 week show, right? <laughs> Their shows would be much shorter and, and be weekly. So what what uh, Harmony Gold actually did was they licensed three completely separate anime shows and brought them over to get the number of episodes up to what they needed. So they ended up with 85 episodes by combining Super Dimensional Fortress Macross was the first show, Super Dimension Calvary Southern Cross was the second show and then Genesis Climber Mospieda was the third show. Three completely different shows, which is now Robotech. <laughs> wow. So remember last week when I said there was kind of three uh, stories to it? That's why yeah. there's three stories to it because ah. it's three completely separate shows that they just stitched together. <laughs> now to do that, they had to edit the heck out of some of these shows to get them to... Uh, one, fit the format of American TV, uh, but two, to make the storylines almost kind of match a little bit. So they were <laughs> they were putting in storylines into like season two and season three or the, the, the series two and series three that didn't exist before to make them relate to, you know, the first show. <laughs> so people who had watched those three shows separately or, or were fans of any one of those three shows really didn't like what what Robotech did but for for someone like me that grew up not knowing those other shows just knowing that Robotech was Robotech 
you know, I didn't even realize what was going on. I knew that at some point all the characters look different (laughs) (laughs) mysteriously and they're, they're no longer on this spaceship. They're on a different spaceship or they're on a planet somewhere that I've never even heard of before. The enemies all looked completely different, right? Each season has enemies, but they all start to look completely different. You know, I, as a, what, 10 year old kid at that time, I didn't know why that was happening, but, but, uh, it was still entertaining to me. Did they keep the same character names, like the same main character? No, I think, and I, I I don't a hundred percent remember, but I think like they would, since everything was overdubbed, I think they would talk about like the characters Uh. and not to spoil anything that's, that's 40 years old, but I think there was a, a practice of killing off a bunch of characters <laughs> <laughs> so that, so they would, they wouldn't have to put them on the screen anymore. Are you right? sure this they, isn't Game of Thrones? <laughs> they wouldn't be on the screen because it was a completely different animator. <laughs> so yeah, the characters, um, I think, you know, and they might've written into the, the later, the later episodes that they were either like brothers or sons of, you know, certain characters. Ah. Um, so I think that's how they, intertwined the story storylines um by talking about you know oh the 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 great rick hunter who was you know instrumental in the in the robo to the first robotech war because each one of these series um had a war right there was the good guys and the bad guys and there was they called it the robotech the first second and third robotech war so so now that you know that background um i had you watch the first two episodes of um Robotech, which they call the the, the Macross um, series, being named after that big spaceship that shows up in the first episode, which is SDF-1. They call it SDF-1, and I told you guys that SDF stood for Super Dimensional Fortress, mm-hmm. which is the name of the show that they stole it from, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me what you thought about the show. I thought it was cool. Um, it's definitely always interesting to see older anime, um, especially older anime brought to America. Um, you know, you can assume that a lot of names were changed and a lot of the plot was changed. Um, but it's, it's still enjoyable to watch. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It, it had a cool, um, concept to it. Definitely. So the original Super Dimensional Fortress Macross was a 1982 show in Japan, and it started here in America in, in 85. Um, you mentioned the character names. The main character that I grew up knowing was Rick Hunter, mm-hmm. which is a very American name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, his name in the original series was Hikaru Ichio, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, so I apologize, but... That's the best I can do. Hikaru Ichio. Now, the other character that you met in the first um, first couple episodes was basically his older brother. They call him brother, but he was he was a uh, an older friend whose parents died at some point, and they don't they don't say that in the story, but but that's the story behind it. His parents die, and they had asked Rick Hunter's father to raise him. So his name is Roy Fokker. Now, in the original show, his name was actually Roy Fokker. Oh. <laughs> but it's F-O-C-K-E-R. And when they brought it to America, his name is Roy Fokker. 
F-O-K-K-E-R. And I'm only speculating that they didn't want to have F-O-C-K-E-R written anywhere. <laughs> yeah, probably. But yeah, so so the other the other some of the other main characters, Lynn Minmay, that was her original name in the original series. So I don't think many of the names had changed except for uh, Hikaru Ichio because ah. we just wouldn't be able to pronounce that. So let's call him Rick. <laughs> I'm sure Hikaru is probably um, a form of Rick, maybe. Maybe. Danny, what did you think about the show? I I enjoyed it. Like I said, I, I'm not really into the kind of more fighty robot type animes, but I still enjoyed it. As an artist, I really enjoy watching older animated things to see like how much we've improved even since like the 80s. Like it's crazy and I, I really enjoy looking into that kind of stuff. Now, I watched it with you guys and that's probably the first time I, I might have pulled it up because for a long time that series was on Amazon Prime. And I'd see it on my list all the time, and I'd I'd start up, and I'm like, "Ooh, I'm I'm gonna binge through this," and I'd watch the first episode, and, and that was it. <laughs> oh, so, so that this is the first time I've seen even that second episode uh, when I watched it with you guys, probably since the '80s. Um, so I didn't realize that not a whole lot happens in the first two episodes, uh, but at least it paints a picture of of what's going to happen, and they're eventually gonna have to go out into space and and protect Earth from the Zentradi, the bad guys, which another funny fact is Zentradi who are giants, right? They're giant aliens. Um, when the toy line came out, you know, they actually had action figures and the toy line, your, your basic character toy line is like three and three quarters inches, right? Your GI Joes, your star Wars figures, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the, the toy company wanted to make Zentradi characters true to size. <laughs> so they made them like 13 inches tall. Like Barbie size, but, but yeah, but true to size, they said would have to be thirty inches. You know, to, to oh. be true scale, they'd have to be thirty <laughs> inch tall dolls, which uh, they weren't going to put on the shelves. So they they tried, but they they didn't quite get them big enough. So yeah, so not a lot happens in those first two episodes. You don't even get a, a full feel of who everybody is yet, but um, at least you get to see the technology and use the Robotech technology and how they've, they've used this alien technology to create new stuff for earth and, uh, and make some neat robots. Right. I think you both had a, had a ooh moment when the the fighter pilot turned into a robot. Didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. And then there was that middle form, which looked like was funny, really weird. (laughs) That was funny. I mean, it may look funny to you, but that was like the coolest thing ever to to me growing up. <laughs> a plane with legs. <laughs> yeah. They, they this style of of uh, transforming robot was like the biggest thing for us growing up. You know, you had the the uh, mighty Orbots, you had the Transformers, the Gobots, you had Voltron, where the different animals would form into a big robot. You know, all those different <laughs> TV shows that that we grew up with and this one just fit right in with those, you know, where you got a, a jet fighter that can change into a robot or some weird looking bent over thing <laughs> that, that for some reason has a, a purpose to, to make it better at fighting for some reasons. But, um, 
as long as you don't look into it too much and uh, and try to put logic into it, like they've got all these laser cannons and flying, you know, spaceships, but for some reason they're in the streets of this city <laughs> fighting hand-to-hand <laughs> combat. <laughs> it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but uh, but it, it makes for a good show. So thank you guys for for watching that show with me. Um, I'm going to have to watch a couple more to, to make sure that, that my memories of it being a really good show, uh, do, do actually match up or, or maybe it's just one of those things that, that everything was cooler back then. Now, one thing on the animation that you were talking about, Danny, that always, um, amazes me is anytime they have like a super bright something like a super bright laser, like when the, when the big ship shot that huge laser beam out into outer space it's like super bright like they must have some kind of backlighting behind the cells of animation do you know what i'm talking about yeah that's always amazing to me because it's not like they're taking you know the, the they're color shading these cells and they're just making one really really white you know it's actually glowing it's it's yeah. glowing beyond what the color is and if you want a really neat example of that, um, I'll have to cue you up a episode of the Transformers, the original Transformers, because they came to Earth to get Energon because they were all out of energy on their planet. Kind of, kind of sounds like a, a, a very strange foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> they burned up all the natural resources of their planet, so they came to Earth. Oh, I wonder where <laughs> we're going. Let's go to Mars. But they, they came to Earth because they could harvest Energon and make these Energon cubes. And whenever they showed the Energon being created into cubes, it was always this purple wavy animated stuff that it, it was almost like looking at a lava lamp behind the animated cell. And wow. that, always, that always impressed the heck out of me. It was so cool to see this purple bubbly like energy stuff that it, it, you look at it and you're like, yep, that's, uh, that's definitely, that's energy. That's bottled up energy right there. It's so interesting to see the, the evolution from traditional to the digital animation. You know, Danny and I both picked, you know, modern anime and it, it's cool just to see, you know, that stark contrast and both look equally cool. Um, but it's just so cool to see how that style has evolved. And it evolved kind of out of necessity because you wouldn't think, you know, we think about technology changing because it makes things easier or faster or better. Um, but sometimes it's just the absolute necessity of having to change. And in fact, um, you've heard of the company Fuji? I heard think of that so. company before? It's most certainly Japanese company, right? Fuji. So Fuji Film was one of the biggest companies of making film. You know, like Kodak made film here in America. Mm. And we had a lot of Fuji film here for our cameras and video cameras and that kind of stuff. But Fuji made the animated cells. They made the film for the cells. And I think it was 1997. They just said, no, we're not making those anymore. Wow. So so they had to uh, use what they had left there in Japan to create their, their TV shows. And then it forced them to go you know, completely digital from, from then on and use different, different techniques. So I thought that was pretty neat because you, you think, you think about, you know, changing something from a more analog way of doing things to digital as being a a natural progression of making things easier for us. But 
in that case, it was just a, uh-oh, what do we do now? <laughs> so very cool. Any other comments about anime in general? We'll have to do an episode on Ghibli movies because they're all stunning pieces of art. Those, those were listed in and amongst the uh, most popular uh, movies of, you know, very, very emotional movies, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. That's one of the biggest uh, animation studios, I guess. Anything else? Nope. Nope. All right. So we'll come back next week with something new for y'all. But other than that, we always like to thank you for listening to our little humble show here and maybe learning something about uh, about the subject matter. I learned a whole lot in doing the, the tiny bit of research for for this episode. So I hope you learned something too. If you learned something in, uh, or you know something that you think would be interesting to us, please send us an email, podcast at familygeekery.com, where we will dip into our mailbag and, and see what you have for us. But thank you all for listening. And as always, peace, peace out. Peace out. And geek out. out. That was bad. <laughs> you look so tired. Me? She did just work about 12 hours. And then your dad like cracks the whip and says, it's time to record a podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Family Geekery podcast. For more information, visit www.familygeekery.com. Don't forget to subscribe at your favorite podcast provider. And until next time, peace out and geek out.